0: You are listening to Standing Firm, a weekly podcast brought to you by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. Standing Firm is earnestly contending for the faith to fulfill Paul's command in 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. For more information, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. That is reformedholytrinity.org. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending upon when you are listening to this program. I am your host, James Brown Jr., and I am the pastor of Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity in Canby, Indiana, which is, for all intents and purposes, Mooresville. But anyway, it is good to be back with you on Standing Firm. And We have once again had another long absence since our last podcast, but a lot has been going on over the last year. and The Lord has been gracious to us, which has included our reception into Evangel Presbytery and the transferring of the property and assets and the merging of the membership of Way of the Cross Baptist Church into Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. Just that alone has kept us extremely busy, but many other things going on in relation to those things and other things as well. But because we have had to address many items on the local church level, it has been a busy year, which has not left me any time to podcast. It has been necessary for us to focus all of our attention internally and, of course, toward our relationship with Evangel Presbytery. Now, Lord willing, sometime in the future, we will be speaking at length about our association with Evangel Presbytery, but for now, you can access our website at reformedholytrinity.org. That's reformedholytrinity.org. And you can read our explanation for our joining Evangel Presbytery. Now, since we are a Baptist church... And although our detractors would classify us as a poor excuse for a Baptist church, and they may be right, uh, but they would classify us as a poor excuse since we do not have Baptist in our name, and now because we are a member of a presbytery. But because of this and many other reasons, we have written an explanation of our actions. And so you can access them on our website, and I think you'll find it too be helpful and beneficial to understand what we are doing and how that we, you know, have not went completely off the rails. However, what I want to do here in this podcast is to relaunch our program by dealing with several issues surrounding this COVID-19 pandemic since it is the most critical issue we are facing as a church and as a nation and in our families today at this present time. So this is kind of like the introduction into the topic. And we will be dealing with several issues surrounding our crisis that we are presently um, enduring. And so let me say from the start... In relation to this that I am now 100% convinced that we have lost our ever loving minds and quite frankly any small hope that you had left uh, for the American people is probably now lost and so please take note though that I'm not saying that I've lost hope or that you should lose hope or anything of that nature I have complete hope in Christ and in his word, but this American experiment is proving to be a total disaster at this point. But if you think about it, why shouldn't it? Because it is currently based on a complete farce. Now, it did not start out that way, but still yet, there were some heretical seeds that Once they were grown up into maturity, they have proven to be corrupt trees, none so repugnant in this production of rotten fruit as that of individual self-determination and individual autonomy. Just yesterday, I saw protests in Michigan, and the theme of the protest was that they did not want to be told what to do, and that people would make the right decisions based upon their own autonomy if they were just left alone. Now, they were saying that while they were defying the quarantine measures, proving by their own actions that they would not do the right thing as they were sitting there exposing everybody, potentially, to this deadly virus. This libertarian rebellion is one of the craziest things that I have ever seen And it's not just confined to a bunch of moronic juvenile delinquents who want to party during spring break. No, there are also those who should actually be the adults in the room, but they only care about drinking beer at a NASCAR event, hoping to see some young hottie flash her breast at them. And yet, it's not just the fat, balding, middle-aged white guy who wants to relive his frat days or his military days or whatever formal or informal fraternal order of immaturity he once belonged. It's not just the immature and those who we already knew were drowning in their live and let live autonomy. We already know that they will not do the right thing. Their only interest is self-interest, and their only uh, interest is their own profit and pleasure. And is that really what we want our society to be based upon? And is that how we want it to function? Well, I think not. Although, I think I'm in a very small minority anymore, which is why no one is concerned about anything but themselves. See, most of these coalitions that you see springing up that we are witnessing, like the one, the protests in Michigan or Kentucky or or wherever, and it's not just those things. There's many other aspects in which this is manifesting. But most of these coalitions are based upon self-interest. People unite with those who are in agreement with their own profit and pleasure, whatever that may be. So what we basically have is a society that is being governed by the idea of man's goodness. And if you do not believe that is the case, just listen as... Everyone proclaims their own goodness as the basis for why they should not be told what to do. If this is the basis of our moral, ecclesiastical, and civil worldviews, there is no hope for us. You have to be a complete fool if you believe in the goodness of man. History itself alone attests to the fact that man is totally depraved. Even the deist and naturalist Thomas Jefferson believed in the depravity of man. We have went way farther down the rabbit hole than that. So why then are we seeing this same liberal, anarchist, evolutionary, and revolutionary libertarian celebration of depravity and, re- uh, and rebellion among so many Christians? Now, I must say I am dumbfounded and at a complete loss. I guess you could say that I expected better from us, and as much as I would like to blame it on something else like social media, the truth is that social media is only a means to express our true selves. I knew our nation was infected with this damnable heresy of libertarianism and knew that even many conservative Christians were influenced it in some degree, but I did not realize that we were completely infected with it. So what we're going to do here is deal with the issues of authority, the sanctity of life, the church, and our responsibilities in times of crisis such as this. And also refute the false presuppositions, the erroneous worldviews, and the wild-eyed conspiracy theories, and the rest of the erratic, inconsistent statements and assumptions infecting the minds of those who are supposed to be Christian. Without question, it is moments of crisis that reveals who and what we really are. And what we are seeing revealed right now is very ugly. Unrestrained individual license is just as ugly as destructive totalitarianism. Rather than dealing with one tyrant, in most cases that's removed miles and miles away from your locality, what we have to deal with is thousands of individual tyrants in our own local areas. As William Blackstone wrote, that anarchy is a worse state than tyranny itself, as any government is better than none at all. Without question, individual autonomy is by far the greater evil. There's never been a society based upon individual autonomy that is functional and where sin has been restrained. Now, I'm not promoting or excusing totalitarianism totalitarianism or the evils that have been perpetrated by it. Godless totalitarianism is a dreadful thing, as has been evidenced by the Soviet Union and Communist China. But let's not forget France, and now all of Europe, and even the United States of America. Individual autonomy is always godless, and by nature necessitates totalitarianism. A stateless society is the goal of socialism, but it can never reach such a state and must always exist in totalitarianism because of its godless nature. Where sin is not restrained, it always results in chaos and destruction and must either be ruled by one kind of authority or one kind of worldview or another. All individual autonomy and godless authority just makes me long for the days gone by when sin and individual autonomy and godless authoritarianism was restrained by government operating on a Christian worldview. The problem is that Christian government has been rejected, even by Christians even by Reformed Christians, because it is out of date, it's too old-fashioned, it's ancient and primitive. Now, where have we heard that before? Again, I expect this out of certain Christian and non-Christian camps, but I am astounded by those who call themselves Reformed and at the same time libertarian. Many may not actually claim the title Libertarian, but that is in fact what they are. So, my Reformed brothers and sisters, what do you think the Reformers would advocate for if they were alive today? Well, the good news is that we don't have to wonder because they told us. You see, they faced situations not so different than ours. Not that I think anyone cares anymore because... Most of the so-called reform movement today is not about reform theology as much as it is about individual autonomists wanting to be rebels. Many are for whatever goes against the flow. If it is a dissident position, that is their position. It is not so much principle as it is cultural trends. I realize I've probably lost most of the few listeners we've ever had at this point, but that's okay, because I learned sometime back that you cannot build the kingdom of Christ with autonomous rebels. But one thing I know is very clear. In this situation that we find ourselves in, unless we are being forced to disobey God's law, And by that, I do not mean some unclear and impossible to define private interpretation of your own autonomous imagination. I'm talking about the clearly defined moral law of God. Unless we're being forced to disobey God's law, then we are to submit to our civil and ecclesiastical authorities. Of course, most have discarded any pretense of ecclesiastical authority a long time ago. And now the same thing is happening in relation to civil government. But the Bible is very clear. And regardless of all their little arguments, Paul wrote in Romans 13, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same." For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So I ask you, in what way are they being a terror to good works? Over and over again I've heard Vice President Pence say, And issue this call to the states and to all Americans to simply love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, don't expose them to something deadly that might kill them. So, what good works are they being a terror to that would cause you to question or to defy their authority. You see, we are told to be subject unto the higher powers. Not those who are seeking to be a terror to good works, but those who are being a terror to evil works. So, in what way? And how? You see, until you can prove a justifiable, biblical, theological, historical, and present factual basis for resisting the government mandates for social distancing and quarantine during times of pandemic for the common welfare of the nation, all you are is one of the individual anarchists that Peter defined as walking after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, despising government and as being those who are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, because they are presumptuous and self-willed. I realize it is at this point many will run for cover in the Constitution, as if the Constitution trumps the Bible. But even your interpretation of the Constitution is an error. You treat the Constitution like some fundamentalist proof texting to get the self-determined results you are seeking based upon your own desires. It is so shameful and disheartening, but it's not new. The church has had to deal with the unruly for a long time. Even Paul, in his epistle to Timothy, instructed him to charge some that they teach no other doctrine except that which was apostolic, because even though they desired to be teachers of the law, they did not understand the law or what it affirmed. This crisis that we are presently in is revealing our doctrinal and practical deficiencies, along with our lack of character, respect, and honor. So, Lord willing, We'll be talking about these things in the days to come. And until next time, may God grant us regeneration, revival, and reformation. God bless. Thank you for listening to Standing Firm. This program was brought to you by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. For more information, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. Again, that is reformedholytrinity.org.